This podcast is brought to you by Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine for those that love to make and drink great beer. Learn more online or subscribe at beerandbrewing.com or find us on social media at Craft Beer Brew. Welcome to the Craft Beer and Brewing Podcast. I'm Jamie Bogner. This is episode 234 of the podcast. We are still in Belgium for this one. Joe Stang, of course, is co-hosting along with me. Welcome, Joe. Thank you. We are excited to be sitting here in the new tasting, well, new-ish, but not new, new. New since you were here last time, Joe. Yeah, the, this is, it's very cool to be sitting here in, in the Tilcan Tasting Room. The Tilcan Tasting Room. Yeah. Pierre Tilcan has joined us for the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Pierre. Hello. We are also, it's a, it's a nice auspicious time to be here because there is one, is this brew number four on the on the new brew house? Yes, we just uh, brewed the first time uh, today. We started two weeks ago. So it's a very small brew kit, new uh, turbid mash system. And we, we just pumped the wort on the cool ship uh, just before you arrived. So as we are talking here, the fourth batch ever of brewed lambic from Tilcan is cooling in the cool ship uh it'll be we we saw it earlier it's it's such a beautiful thing to watch wart cooling in the open air like that yes i when i did the first brew it was uh, uh very emotional for me when we sent the when we sent the first wart in the cool ship it was a, a, a fantastic uh, feeling i bet especially for something at this point in the moving from a blendery to a, a brewery and a blendery after 10 years, 11 years of operation. Uh, you know, it's been a journey to get here. We're going to talk about all of that. We're going to talk about uh, the, the process of blending, of aging on fruit. We're going to talk about the process of brewing. We're going to talk about the characters, uh, you know, of the Lambic beers that find their way into the blends that Pierre makes. We'll talk about some of their process around making fruited Lambic beers and, uh, uh, and we will get through a lot of those similar topics. But first, what if you could chill your beer with a more efficient chiller? The answer, G&D Chiller's new micro-channel condensers. G&D's micro-channel condensers are highly efficient in hotter regions. Use a fraction of the refrigerant over traditional chillers, which provides less opportunity for leaks, along with a lower global warming potential. G&D Chiller's engineers are committed to green technology design while developing a more energy-efficient chiller for the brewing industry. Contact GD Chillers today at gdchillers.com. Also, support for this episode comes from BSG. Did you know that BSG sources hops directly from growers and processes them in their FSSC certified facility in Yakima Valley? From Azaka to Zappa, BSG's hops are pelletized for optimal dispersion in the boiler or FV and packaged in nitrogen flushed bags to preserve all those tasty and enticing aromatics. To learn more about how your hops go from farmer to fermenter, Get in touch with BSG at Let's Talk Hops at bsgcraft.com. Pierre, let's start off talking about history. Let's talk about your history and uh, following the path that you took to get here at, uh, and starting your own blendery and now brewery and blendery. So I have a, a specific background, I would say. I studied bioengineer uh, in animal breeding. Uh, which is nothing to do about brewing. And then I had the opportunity to do a PhD. I stayed at the university for quite long. I did a PhD for six years in statistical genetics. 
And during that PhD, I discovered Lambic and discovered the traditional goes by tasting old bottles at the grandfather of my ex-wife. I visited Cantillon. I visited, visited uh, Trifontaine with Armand. And I had a sort of a direct love for that type of beer. Uh, and, and, and I found that very passionating because nothing is uh, totally understand, understood. There's still something to understand. There's still a lot to, to learn about Lambic and spontaneous fermentation. So I started to develop my passion about Lambic. And after my PhD, I wanted to come back to that sort of uh, word, I would say. And I didn't find found a, find a job directly in the Lambic Brewery, but I had the opportunity to learn to brew at the Hug Brewery, the Delirium Tremens. Then I went to for six months in Trifontaine to learn to blend and brew Lambic with Armand de Belder. And then I had the opportunity to have six months at Cantillon to learn another way of working uh, with Lambic and blending with Jean Van Roy. And after these two experiences, I came to the conclusion that I couldn't stay in these uh, small factories. I, uh, my character was a bit strong, I would say. And, <laughs> and, 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 and that this is not a place for a lot of uh, uh, creativity, I would say. If, you, if there is a boss, there's only one. And so I started to dream about creating my own blendery. took some time to do the, blend, the, the business plan, to find the associates, to put some money. And then uh, I could start in January 2009. Uh, to, to, I, I signed the rent outside of Brussels, 30 kilometers from Brussels, because I'm living there. But my business plan was not working well um, in Brussels. The rents were too high. So I started in, in the Walloon region, 30 kilometers from Brussels in the Seine Valley, but 300 meters from the language border. Uh, Usually we say the, 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 the Lambic and the Goose region is the Pajotenland, the Seine Valley and Brussels. And I'm and just below that region at 300 meters. So it's a bit controversial, but it's not so easy to find argument because there's, there's only 300 meters. So I installed my blendery here and uh, started to stock Lambic in wooden barrels in January 2009. So rather than brew right away, you focused on a blending strategy where you would buy wort from other existing Lambic producers and then age it yourself and blend it. Why not start brewing from the start? Um, because the, the, the immobilization of, of, of money and, and, and right. beer is already huge when you start a blendery. If I had to start a brewery, I would have to invest much more in a, in a brew kit that would only be used in the winter. And at the start, I would only use it 10 or 15 times. And then I would have to wait one year to, to use it again. So it was a too huge investment. So we decided, I decided to start blending only. And also, it was, I, didn't, I never thought about brewing, in fact. Uh, I, was, I had the, the chance to work with different lambics, the one of Cantillon, the one at, at Trifontaine I was working with, Bone, Lindemans, Girardin. And I discovered the wonderful palette of different tastes you can find in Lambics. And I found it was much more interesting to blend than to brew my own. Because you have such a rich uh, flavor profile you can get from different Lambics. Uh, that it, and, and blending these Lambics together gives something unique and much more 
round and complete in, in taste than than having only one sort of lambic. I'm I'm quite happy to start brewing, and I hope I will get a nice one. But I think blending is a uh, is so interesting in the different taste you can get that uh, I wanted to start blending. That was uh, quite obvious for me. And that strategy has allowed for a gradual growth where you were able to fill a certain amount of barrels, build an idea of the brand over several years, and then increase the amount of volume you sold and raise, you know, create more money organically that you can then reinvest in the business to, to buy more barrels and buy more wood and, and grow it on a more slow kind of scale. Yeah, exactly. I started in 2009 with the objective of producing in May 11 or selling in 11 uh, 500 hectoliters. Um, and so I, I was needing 220 barrels at the start. So that was my business plan. But with 500 hectoliters, I was able to pay myself and pay two workers in the winter. Uh, and then uh, I was only renting two buildings at the back of this building now. Then progressively, I, I, I increased the stock I could rent one more and then rapidly the owner proposed me to buy the whole building, which is a 1,200 square meter building with some small office and tasting space in, in front. And I could increase the, the production. So now we have 650 barrels and we are reaching in 2000, we reached last year in 2021, 1,900 hectoliters. Uh, so in, in, in a bit more than 10 years, we, we came from 500 to 1,900. But I think we reached the maximum capacity of the building. If you if you have seen inside, it's a bit full. We can't push the walls, so we, we're going to stay with that, I think. This idea of buying wort. Now, you know, with our experience in talking to Belgian brewers, there's often a an initial reaction of and Val and uh, Paula at Atrium Atrium were telling us this that you know the general Belgian mentality is no 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 you shouldn't do that until you do it and until people see you doing it and then as when it's good they want to support it for you launching a new blendery going to a lambic brewer and saying you need to, I want you to sell me a whole bunch of wort that I'm going to build my business off of that how did you do that not everybody was uh, positive directly <laughs> uh, but sure, i sure. had a chance that in the lambic world uh, there's there's a sort of tradition of blending uh, right we i was uh, we are a bit more now but uh, when i started i was the fifth uh, there was there is the camot bersel trifontaine Hansens, and then myself I, I I I left Cantillon with the promise of Jean that if I start a blendery, he would supply me uh, uh, one brew, which was a very good start for starting, because Cantillon has such a reputation, and I and I had the chance to learn the job of, the job of blending lambic at the two best on the market. Uh, so I I I started with a, a very nice advantage, I would say. Sure, that's and a then, good pedigree yeah. to come with. Having come from, worked at both of exactly, and then uh, I went to Bone and Lindemans. They are very used yeah. to sell wort. The more difficult to convince was Girardin. Uh, it took me one year to convince him um, because he didn't want to to sell me uh, wort. Uh, he was uh, 
taking me like a, <laughs> a very rich guy and uh, and he was he was he was saying that in Flemish you bent in which means you are a very rich uh, rich guy that can start this we might and call that in english like a dilettante you know someone who wasn't serious but had a lot of money yeah and it was not the case i i, I was just clever enough to to make a good business plan right right i was not owning at the start i was not owning uh, the whole company i, I, I was I had only 30% of the shares so it, it took me one year to convince him and and he was not understanding that i was willing to age islamic for 3 years for example, uh, because he, he, he's doing blends of one and two years old only. So, but after a certain times, by coming back, he accepted, and 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 I really appreciate that. And they are very nice, and it's a nice couple, Ad and Paul. They are very kind persons, and I'm very happy to be able to buy five or six brews per year now. Let's talk a little bit about the, each of those producers, lambic producers. Um, and the flavors of that wort, because as you say, building that blend of all of these components, each one of them have not only different flavors, but also tend to function in different ways as they age. You know, they, they work differently over time, and you have some real strategies about how you use each of the Lambic components from those breweries. Let's talk about that, but first, supply chain challenges are here to stay for a while, so why not trust the experts to handle freight for your ingredients Old Orchard has partnered with a leading logistics firm in the craft beverage industry to transport your craft concentrate blends. When you order two pails or more of concentrate from Old Orchard, you qualify for freight quotes from various carriers and can stay up to date on the status of your shipment. To get started on a freight quote for craft concentrates today, head on over to oldorchard.com slash brewer. Also, as craft beer's most trusted point of sale system arrived is the mobile all-in-one solution you need to decrease service friction and increase guest satisfaction. With a full suite of craft-specific features, no contracts, and no monthly fees, Arrived provides the necessary tools to help your brewery grow. Go to arrived.com to set up a free customized demo. That's arrived.com, A-R-R-Y-V-E-D.com. Remember, there is no I in Arrived. Pierre, at the top, you talked about how each one of these component blends, each of these lambic brewers and the work that you get from them as you then age, you know, works in different kinds of ways and builds a bigger, more round idea of flavor. I would love to hear from you how you might describe, you know, from a flavor or sensory perspective, what each of, uh, you know, each of those producers, uh, wart, uh, you know, contributes to the overall thing. So to, to, to be precise, the, what contributes to the overall thing is especially the final lambic of each. I do get warts. The older warts are, when you get them, they are looking the same. Yeah. But uh, what differentiate them is the, for sure, the amount of up, the, the, the process they, they use. So the, the, the profile of sugar might be a bit, a bit different. But the, mo- the biggest difference is coming from the microflora. Uh, each of them is a specific microflora, which is giving a specific taste and a specific final gravity of the lambic. Um, some, for example, the bone in my facility, but it, it's it's uh, only in my facility because I use small barrels of 400 liters. The bone lambic is fermenting quite fast, and after one year, you can it's nearly totally fermented. It's a very nice lambic. Uh, uh, 
bit citrusy, uh, not very complex, but very easy to drink. And it, when you start a blend, you have to, to have some, some volume to your blend. And, and bone is, is very good for that. And, and, but it, it can also be complex and, and nice. Um, and then, for example, the, the Lindemans that I use uh, is more on the, on the grain side, on the malt side. Is more, uh, it has sometimes some uh, bread flavors, some uh, diacetyl, but it's not a, an issue in, um, in Lambic. It's, it's metabolized in the refermentation. And it, it's, it's nice to have some mellowness from the diacetyl in a blend. And this Lindemans is fermenting, it's one of the most uh, stable and always the same in, in the rhythm of fermentation. It's fermenting after four or five days. And it's reaching always, in average, the same level of fermentation. It's, you, you can have some more sugar left, some more residual sugar, and it's aging quite well because the residual sugar uh, are still there, so it's still evolving by aging. And so the Lindemans is also a very nice lambic that I use as one and two years old. It could age very nicely as three years old, but I use Girardin and Cantillon for the three years old, so I had uh, enough three years old possibilities, I would say. The Girardin Alambic is brewed in a very specific way in an old uh, uh, brewing uh, farm uh, in Pajodenland, and they use uh, a bit more hops. So the, 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 lamb the final Alambic is more bitter, so it's aging quite well. It's more protected by the hops, by the bacteriostatic properties of the overage hops, and it's, um, it's fermenting a bit in between the bone and Lindemans, it can end up at one one point five plateau, and then uh, so it's aging quite well. I use it at as two and three years old lambics. Then you have the Cantillon, which is fermenting, which is very specific. Um, I'm, I assume people that like Goose can can recognize the Cantillon blind because it's very specific taste. And it's a f in my facility, the, lamb the Cantillon Lambic is fermenting quite slowly. And it's ending at quite high in sugar. It can end up at three plateau, for example. And so um, I, use it, uh, I use the Cantillon as three years old, hoping to, f to, f to have the chance to, to reach what they used, what they call the Cantillon Grand Cru Brucella, which is their three years old Lambic they put on model, which is very nice. Sometimes I have that uh, quality level. Uh, in, in my own lambics of Cantillon, sometimes not, but that's not a big issue. And so I use Bone and Lindemans as one year old, Lindemans Girardin two years old, and Girardin Cantillon three years old. The, the specificity of my blender is that I don't function at all as a, as a single producer. The, if you know a bit about lambic, normally the young lambic is bringing sugar, and the old ones contain some Brettanomyces, and altogether they restart our fermentation in bottle. But in my situation, sometimes it's the old lambic that are bringing sugar, because the, the young <laughs> one right. from bone that I use is super low in sugar. Right. And, and, and some cantillons are a three plateau, and the residual sugar of the cantillon are used for refermenting in the bottle by the yeast of bone. So it's a bit uh, uh, simplest maybe to explain that like that, but we are um, doing a lot of measurement of the sugar content of each lambic, and we try to 
reach a certain level of sugar before bottling because we want to reach a certain uh, level of carbonation. And I have the chance that nearly all my bottles are going to zero plateau in the bottle. So it's quite easy to calculate. We saw those marks as you mark each barrel every year. You said in November, you take a gravity reading from each barrel and mark that gravity reading so that, so that you can track that year over year and see how it's developing and making sure that it is, is developing. Yeah, it's, we, 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 we try not to touch too much at the barrels, but we do once a year a measurement of the gravity to see how far they are in fermentation. And the rules I explained just before are the theoretical rules, but the funny thing and the, 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 the passionating thing with Lambic is that every year is different. So, for example, for example, for the moment, I used three years old Cantillon that is at zero plateau. And I have no idea why. It was new barrels second hand from Italy. Maybe I get some yeast from the barrels, but I, I clean them. So I, I clean them a lot with high pressure water. So I don't, not, don't understand why. But that's the magic of Lambic. You don't control. And, and sometimes you have super surprises and sometimes it's following what you expect. I think there's another uh, really interesting component uh, besides those lambics that you talked about. Um, and it goes into one of my favorite beers. I'm not even going to say one of my favorite beers, but one of my favorite beers is your draft gears, the draft version. It's a lighter gears, and it's, uh, I don't even think diluted is the right word. It's made lighter by a different component. Uh, and it, as a result, it's really drinkable, very refreshing, and, and uh, I don't like to think of yours as something precious, but in reality it is. Uh, and then this is a chance to drink a less precious yours. Drink it like you can drink beer, and it's wonderful. Can you talk about what goes into to, into that yours? So yeah, uh, I, uh, since the start, uh, at the, the very start of the blendery, I wanted to do a draft beer because there is a demand for that. But I also want to respect the tradition, and I use the appellation Eau de Gueuse or Gueuse à l'ancienne, which is a uh, protected by the European Union. It's a traditional specialty guaranteed. It's a, there's a small logo at the back of the label. This product, the old goose, can't be put on draft. So I had to do a different blend. And I had the idea of uh, ordering to bone a very special uh, lambic, which is called Meertz. Meertz is a low ABV lambic, which is just obtained by uh, less uh, grains now, but in the past it was uh, obtained by the second runnings on the grains. The first wort was set apart and was called Lambic. The second runnings was like a March beer and it, in, in the local region we call that Meertz. Uh, it was used uh, on the side and it was used for um, uh, an easy to drink Lambic on the field or to blend with Lambic and produce Faro. But so I ordered uh, that specific brew to uh, Frank Bone, and he delivered me a, a, a wort of at eight plateau around, and it reached three point six four percent alcohol. And I used fifty percent of that Meertz for the blend of the Goose on Draft, and then the the, the other fifty percent is uh, one year old and two years old lambics of uh, Cantillon uh, of Girardin and Lindemans. So it, it gives a, a very a lower ABV and a very easy to drink goes. That was the objective. I do appreciate some blends that you can find on the market that are only made with one and two years old lambics. They're a bit less complex, but they have much more drinkability. 
Sure, sure. Let's talk about barrels a little bit because, you know, back to that subject, you use multiple different size barrels and you tend to choose size of barrel to uh, based on the kind of age that you intend for that wort, you know, straight out. Talk to me a little bit about that strategy. So I don't have that much different sizes of barrels, but uh, I have uh, 400 liter barrels that are um, secondhand from red wine. They are 27 millimeters uh, thick. They are a bit thicker than uh, small uh, um, Bordeaux barrels or, or Bourgogne barrels that are 21 millimeters. And uh, these are the m- biggest part of my barrel stock, 400 liter that I use them. I use them for one and two iso lambics. Then I had the chance recently. It's not so. It's um, since uh, a bit more than three years now that I can reach some uh, demi mui. We call that demi mui. They are 600 liter barrels. They are much thicker. They are 44 millimeters thick, and uh, they give less oxygenation. So they are ideal for aging a bit longer the the lambic and i'm progressively trying to renew some of the 400 liter barrels and 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 change them to 600 uh, i already renewed the uh, 320 uh, 400 liter barrels uh, in 10 years after 10 years use but uh, i'm also buying 600 liter ones for the aging of two and three old lambics and these are as they give less oxygen they 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 give less risk of uh, acidification and uh, a development of uh, vinegar flavors. That's something I try to avoid as much as possible in my blends. Because I consider that if you taste something, if, if it's burning your throat, if, if there is a, a vinegar flavor, uh, then you make a mis- you made a mistake. It's just a sign of a, of, of a work which was not very clean, I would say. And uh, it can happen. I have to. I do have that sort of flavor in my lambics, and 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 I, I have to mention that we are sometimes uh, happy to have uh, one barrel of about ten having that sort of flavor because we 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 say it's giving a kick to the blend. It's giving some fruitiness when you mix it. But if it's too much, it's, it's a mistake. If it's too tasty, if it's, it's if it's the major part of your flavor, then then then. It, from my point of view, it's not pleasant. The goal is not to make a more sour beer. No, the no, the, the 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 objective is to make a pleasant, mellow, sour beers, and not the, the not uh, an overpowerful uh, sour uh, beer, like some beers you can find in US. If I can, <laughs> if I can, if I can joke about that. What? We we can accept that. We can accept that. Um, Talk to me about your barrel cleaning process and preparation process. You know, certainly there's some some debate out there in the world of how much, um, you know, of this fermentation, spontaneous fermentation is driven by open air versus maybe latent um, you know, cultures living in wood. If your point is to develop multiple cultures that have their own flavor, you certainly don't want all of this that you're buying from five different lambic brewers to all taste exactly the same. The goal is to have different flavored wort you know, stock and, and lambic to work with. Um, talk to me about you know how you you know how you prep those barrels to keep a, a neutral palate for this and. Over time, how much may actually still be impacted by some culture that, that may live on? 
Well, that's a very interesting question. And uh, I changed my way of cleaning barrels uh, something like four or five years ago. I was not using steam at the start. Yeah. Um, I was uh, only cleaning uh, with hyper-short water. I have a, a very standard method. I have a hyper-short water system, which is working five minutes at 30 Celsius, then two times five minutes at 60, and then five minutes at 80 Celsius. And then I was just leaving the barrels drying and then sulfuring them, which means bur to burn sulfur inside, a small ring of, sul of sulfur that you just light on and, right. and burn inside. But with the time, I saw some discrepancy between uh, re, re, regarding the, the, what I explained before. I was saying Cantillon normally stops at quite high in sugar. At three plateau, bone is going to zero, and some the other two others are in between. And inside one delivery of Cantillon, for example, or, or Lindemans, I was seeing some barrels super low and some barrels quite high. So I started to think there is, a, there is an effect of the barrels that is developing and my way of cleaning barrels is not sufficient because I want to keep, and it's, it's, it's very specific to my blendery and to have a blendery. If you want to keep the specific taste of each lambic, you have to avoid the impact of the previous lambic. I don't have enough space to keep uh, the barrels, specific barrels for each specific producer. It was not possible. Uh, in a practical way. When you have enough empty barrels, you hold a wart and you have to fill them. And you can't keep the Cantillon barrels on the side, the bone on the side, and so on. So I had to find a solution. And we started to use a steam, something like uh, that other colleagues are using. And we now steam it for 15 minutes. And by doing that, we, we nearly kill everything. And we, we keep the, 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 the terroir of each uh, producer by doing that. But we still have some surprises every year. It's, it's linked to the lambic. It's, uh, it's something that you don't control. But uh, so we, it's very important in my situation to clean as much as possible, yeah. It so, is, I hadn't thought about how you could use different barrels from the same batch as a kind of control to measure that kind of thing. But that is, that's interesting. If you have 15 barrels of one brew right. that were filled on one day, and if you have... Uh, uh, variation from three to zero plateau, then there's something strange. Sure, sure. No, so, that, so. that makes a lot of sense. As you age barrels, how, how do you allow temperature to fluctuate in your warehouse? Do you allow, I mean, seasons change here, but and we're here in the winter. It's cold, but it's not too cold. And, uh, you know, summertime, you know, temperatures certainly are warmer. Do you keep that consistent or, or what's your strategy for that? For the moment, for the moment, I have a temperature cold controlling system only for the summer and it's uh, it never goes higher than 19 celsius so the cooling start at 20 to cool the hair at 19 so the maximum temperature that the lambic can reach is 19 celsius for for american listeners that's about 66 degrees fahrenheit and in the winter i don't control at this at the start i was uh, having some warming system but my insurance company doesn't want me to use that anymore <laughs> so it's with, yeah, yeah. with gas so it was not the best idea but the isolation of the building is quite um, good enough so that we don't go below 12 in the barrel room 12 celsius so it's only between 12 and 19 i found it important to 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 have a sort of a mimicking of uh, the summer because 
when we when we speak about age of lambic, we always uh, consider the number the number of of summer that the lambic went through. So a two years old lambic is a is a lambic of with two summers, and 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 three years old is three summers because the summer is giving age because you have this increase of temperature which is favoring a bit the growth of acidic acid bacteria which can influence the taste and give some more complexity and also it has an impact of the development of bretanomyces the temperature so uh, the 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 warmness is a bit important i think but every year i hesitate to when i have to fix the the temperature value on my system uh, and and right. every year I, I want to change. So I might decrease a bit in the in the in the next decrease. I mean to put it at seventeen or eighteen yeah. Celsius, because I want to avoid as much as possible the acetic acid development in my barrels. And for example, this year I have a bit more than expected, uh, and and I I realized to put a bit more barrels to the drain, which is not so funny. But um, yeah, I I. I Put a lot of effort to to control that, to clean the barrels as much as possible. To we we do, we do the topping of the barrels also by topping the barrels every uh, before the summer. We we you decrease the amount of oxygen on top of the beer, and you if your barrels are whole full, you have less oxygen contact. Um, we do that every year, the topping. And you top those with lambic from the same from batch. the same and from the same producer, same age. So you'll just basically take another barrel and then fill the other barrels with what was in that barrel in order to top them up. Exactly. Yeah. We end up sometimes with half half barrels, but then we we have to 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 blend the two uh, lambics and it gives some specific barrels with two two producers. Very cool. Very cool. And then you, when you start building a blend, this is also a seasonal process because. Your beer barrels need to be empty in time for wort coming from the new season to fill into them, and so there's a very there's a rhythm then through the year to when you empty barrels and then and build your blends. Um, but let's talk about that process of building a blend. I know for some there's a romantic notion of this, but uh, you are more mathematical in your approach. Yeah, uh, I learned the job at uh, Trifontaine and, and uh, Cantillon. And I learned a certain way of blending. And then, uh, I, to be honest, at the start, I was blending like I learned from them. Uh, but uh, I don't know if you ever heard of a, a specific goose I made, which was called Goose to the Square. Yes. Uh, and I actually still have a bottle of the first version of that in my fridge at home. And that goose is uh, wonderful, but it's coming from a mistake. It's I had to empty uh, 20,000 small bottles of goose. <laughs> Uh, because they were overcarbonated. Oh, yeah. Because I I made a blend a bit like I learned, I would say, in an artistic way. And <laughs> <laughs> and oh, maybe it's easy to say that. I should have measured a bit more but uh, in advance. But I, I realized that some of the re-fermentation in the bottle could go crazy and and make the beer totally overcarbonated. So I had after that I had to understand a bit more and to make more measurement and and so I started to develop a, a different way of blending. The taste is very important for sure. So we taste every lambic. We we choose uh, 
uh, we start to, to choose some uh, young lambic, born in the months for the, most of the time. Sometimes we use a, a young Girardin. It can happen if we have to empty that because it's in the way. Or, but most of the time because we use, it's in the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you, when to, yeah. to the the ideal proportion I want to reach. Sometimes I have to uh, to do some some mistake in that ideal proportion. I would say because uh, you have to empty some space to get uh, new wort. You have to right. To have enough space on the ground to receive a, a, a full delivery of a, of bone, for example, bone and Lindemans, they are delivering by by twelve thousand liters. So you have to fill thirty barrels of four hundred liter in one day, and you have to to have the space. So sometimes you 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 have to empty some barrels that you would prefer to leave. I'm not using racks like some uh, U.S. breweries that can they can move the the barrels with the forklift. I have a, a very traditional way of putting barrels and I put four layers. So sometimes you have practical implication. You have to empty what's on top before to empty what's under. Sure. So when we start doing a blend, we take the one-year-old lambics, we taste them, we 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 taste the, the oldest as possible. So for example, we usually receive uh, lambics in December from Bone and Lindemans. So we take these two batch first because they are more complex more more further in fermentation and so at the beginning of the season we take these ones at the at the, the end of the season we take the ones from february and march but sometimes we have to take both of them because we always have in mind that we have to reach a certain level of sugar in the blend and that makes my way of blending a bit more scientific we measure every barrels we we measure their sugar content in plateau we have a very specific Excel sheet, which is making a, a weighted average of different of all the different values of plateau according to the volume of each, so that we can calculate in advance on on on, on a paper or on an Excel sheet what will be the expected sugar content of the blend before bottling. And and by doing that, we can choose. Uh, sometimes we we go in the barrel room and we search for sugar. And sometimes we search for low lambic. And, and <laughs> sure, sure. For what you need to get it yeah. where it should be. Yeah. So it's a bit strange. Uh, it can, it's not so poetic as uh, people would expect, I would say. But uh, we, we try to, 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 to produce something consistent. I mean, to have a, we try to have a tilkin goose, which because it's on our main product and our, our preferred product. We try to have a tilkin goose, which is which has the best quality as possible, and which is a bit standard, not uh, standardized, but which is quite consistent. And so we put a lot of effort to to choose the good lambics. So we take one and two years old lambics, and then when you have a good blend of one year old lambic, you put some more complexity by adding some old lambics. And the old lambics are giving more some wood character, some vanilla character that you can get from the oak and sometimes some bitterness and some fruitiness, a lot of fruitiness. And uh, we take two years old Lindemans and two years old Girardin. Uh, sometimes we have a chance to have uh, some what we call the bone Lindemans. We sometimes blend. If we have too much bone at the end of the season, we do a 50-50% blend and we put it back in barrels and it 
it gives very nice lambics also. So we use that as two years old. And and then we and then the we choose the, the three years old lambics that are giving a lot of complexity. They are very strong in taste. Sometimes these are lambics that you could they are so so strong in taste that you can't imagine to drink a full glass. It's so flavorful, uh, flavorful, a lot of oak character, vanilla. It's it's super tasty, but uh, it, it's and it's nice to blend. Sometimes we choose some lambic with a touch of vinegar because it's uh, we we call that to give a kick to the blend. So it's uh, it's like um, giving some character to a blend and the acetic acid is when it's diluted in a blend of 10 or 11 barrels it's giving some fruitiness and it's it's enhancing all the other taste also it's very nice sometimes also we have some diacetyl in the blends and we have that more in some old linemans for example but it's not a pit it's not a problem it will be metabolized in the bottle so yeah it's a it's quite a, it's the most funny part of the job the morning tasting barrels deciding the blend and then the afternoon we we pump <laughs> so it's very a very regimented process. Let's talk a little bit about adding fruit to beer because that is something that you do extensively. We saw you have 20 uh, metal stainless steel tanks out there uh, that you do these in um, and it's a very intentional process. Before we do that from the rotatable pickup tube on Rogue Brewing's Pilot Brewhouse to the integrated hotbacks on Sierra Nevada's twin prototyping brew houses, SS BrewTech has taken technology they invented working with world-renowned industry veterans and made them available to every craft brewer. To learn more about SS BrewTech's innovation list, head on over to ssbrewtech.com. Also, are you looking for the tools to make your next improvements in process and quality control? The Mettler Toledo InPro 8630i is the ideal sensor for combined color and turbidity measurement in loudering, filtration, and phase shift operations. Robust, compact, and easy to handle, it supports consistency in beer processing. The Intap portable oxygen meter gives you readings wherever you need them, flexible in production for verification. While purging or for troubleshooting, it's your perfect helping hand. Contact Mettler Toledo today to find out more. Let's talk about how you use fruit beer. In, in your lambic. Um, earlier today, we had a uh, Pinot Meunier. Um, you know, I, the yes. grape lambics that you've made have, are fantastic. Of course, you use all sorts of fruits in, uh, in the lambics you use. Um, but let's, let's talk a little bit about your philosophy for, towards using fruit and then some of the methods that you use to add those fruits. I use a specific method for doing my fruit beers. I, um, I always ferment in a high concentration of fruit in the tank. It's very... It's always the same, nearly 1,000 kilo of fruit in a 2,000 liter tank. So it's 50% fruit, 50% lambic. One year old lambic from Bourne Lindemans and, and, and a bit of Girardin. Some colleagues are fermenting at two, with two years old lambic. I personally prefer to ferment with one year old lambic. And Why then, is, that, is that because it'll referment a little faster? or It will bring some more, more life uh, to ferment the 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 fruits for from, sugar from, yeah but uh, but I assume two years old lambic can bring more protanomyces maybe or more complex sure. uh, yeast so it has also it's also interesting for sure but that's the way I, I work I prefer to bring some complexity after by blending so some colleagues are fermenting at the final 
um, concentration of fruit in the tank. So if you have a 2,000 liter tank, you usually 250 grams fruit per liter. So they put 500 kilo, and then they they filter the beer or they they pump the beer and then they bottle. I don't do that because I consider that it's very important to reach a certain level of fruitiness, which is not too strong, which is easy to drink. You have to recognize the fruit, but you also have to taste the the the, the lambic behind and. Uh, that's why I always con- ferment in a concentrate way, 1,000 kilo in 2,000 liter tank for four months. Then we pump the fruit at Lambic. We filter roughly in, in stainless steel filters. We filter that fruit Lambic and we pump it in the blending tank. And then we do like the goose. We take samples of the different Lambics, one, two, and three years old Lambics. And we do uh, also different tests of dilution. When, when we know the fruit, we do usually this, uh, a very small amount of dilutions. For example, the quetch, which is a plum lambic that I do, which is a, the correspond, my corresponding creek, I would say. I have colleagues doing creek, a sherry one. I don't do a sherry one. I don't do a creek. I do a quetch which with plums. And with the plums, we use around 200 to 250 grams fruit per liter. But when we start with a new fruit, we don't know what will be the intensity of the fruit. And we start with 100 grams fruit per liter, 150, 200, 250, 300. And we taste always from the lowest to the highest. And when we have a satisfying fruitiness, we stop. Because it's always tempting to put more fruit, to have some rich flavor, uh, fruit profile, and but at the end you just produce a fruit juice if if you if you just uh, put more fruit and you don't taste the the beer behind. So you do this smaller but intense maceration with you know this fifty fifty blend of lambic and fruit, and then you pull off bench samples with the broader blend of lambic and figure out the exact ratio to where you f- feel happy with that blend yeah. in order to dial it exactly in. Exactly, and sometimes we. We have two blending tanks of 42 hecto, so 4,200 liter. And if we want to do uh, 238 grams fruit per liter, it's a full tank. But sometimes we do two, 200, we do 100, and then we use both tanks and you, we, we, we blend in both tanks. So we, we adapt always according to the fruit and according to the harvest. So every year is a bit different, so we have, we have to test. If you follow the labels of my blendery sometimes you see some differences we go from 260 gram to 240 sometimes it's only two 20 grams difference and we, we, we there's some something like a threshold when when we taste we always do the blend we are three minimum and we are usually four i have three employees in the uh, production team and and one which is in the more practical stuff like cleaning barrels, we taste together and we 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 usually come to an agreement together because we see directly that there is a threshold. Sometimes we we taste two hundred fifty, and then we taste three hundred, and it's totally too much, and and we fine tune to two hundred sixty or two hundred seventy, and then we see if we if we if we do a difference of ten grams, sometimes there is a a threshold and it's it's totally different and so we we, we we 
I, I think I'm one of the only one doing that so with so much uh, details. But I think it's also it's a question of taste and it's also a question of uh, an economical point of view. I mean, if you put uh, 300 grams or 400 grams food per liter, you do a, a very you can do a small amount of bottles. If you put less fruit, you can do much more bottles. So, <laughs> uh, so that's something I don't understand. Some colleagues are doing uh, beers at 600 grams fruit per liter, but then at the end it's not beer anymore. And and they could have done so much more beer with that amount of fruit, and so much people could have tasted that beer because we are in a geek world. The people are just looking for new beers all the time, so we experiment. We experiment with new fruits. We take a lot of. We make the effort of buying big amounts of specific fruits, and then at the end you just find a fruit juice on the market, which is. I don't see what's interesting in that, and and. And and you could have make much more beers, much more balanced, and you have you would have if much more people happy to to taste it. How do you prep some? How do you prep fruit? You know, and, and that's going to differ for fruit. But for something like a plum, and then something like a grape, what does that preparation process look like before it goes into the tank? So for the grapes, we get them always fresh. Uh, Either local, the one you you spoke about, the Pinot Meunier from a local winemaker next to the uh, the blendery. Um, we sometimes we get them locals, and and most of the time we get them get them from France. We they are harvested on one day. They are transported on the night in a cool transport, and we have a destemming machine. We destem them in the morning, put them directly in the tanks and cover them with lambic so no crush no press just straight it's a, it's a, the destemming machine is a bit squeezing the grapes so they are they are they are open um, and then for the plums we we get them fresh also and uh, destoned so so that they are well open uh, they can be destoned like an olive or like uh, here uh, they, they say in French, an oreillon. It means cut it in two, mm-hmm. like when you do a pie. Um, and so that you have the, the flesh of the fruit, which is well in contact with the lambic. So that's for the stone fruits. I try to get them fresh and destoned. Uh, and then for the small fruits, like the blackberry, which is our second uh, main fruit beer, uh, we do a mûr, which is, which is a blackberry. We get them frozen. The, the small fruits are much more interesting to, to be used frozen. Right. First of all, because it's it's very difficult to get use, huge amount of fresh ones, but I've I've tested the difference. Uh, if you use fresh blackberries or frozen one, you get much more. F- uh, the, the the fruit flavor is much stronger. There, there's 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 a, a bigger dilution of the fruit flavor when it's frozen than it's when it's fresh. But it doesn't. It's not true with the plums, for example. The plums frozen. They don't give a big difference, and they give a naziness to your beer, which is not very nice. But uh, f- small fruit like uh, black currants, like uh, white blueberry, like like uh, blackberries, uh, elderberries, uh, I use them frozen. That's pretty more common now because it breaks down those cell walls and allows for that better exactly. extraction of flavor. Sure. From the from the start with the fruit beers, uh, I mean, doing the, the quetch instead of a creek, the your choices of fruit has always been really unusual. 
Are you testing? Yeah, are you testing out new fruits to see if it's something you want to do on a bigger scale, or how are you doing that? Now? So, at the start, I, uh, I I had intentionally I chose a fruit that is not used. Uh, I didn't want to use a, a, a sherry for producing creek because everybody is doing that, and and I wanted to get a bit more focus of the client. I mean, if you produce a new fruit then you get more attention of the clients and of the beer fans. So uh, that was the, the, the idea. And also the idea, the, the idea of the quetch was coming from my childhood. I, there was a plum tree in the garden of my parents, and the, it was exactly the small variety, the, the variety of that small plum, which is called Prune de Namur, that I can't get anymore. But in the past, I did get uh, good amounts of that uh, small plums. No, I get the plums from Alsace. They are a bit bigger, but they have the same taste, so it's nice. Um, but uh, the idea was to use that sort of local fruit uh, and and to do something different than my colleagues. Then, the, why not doing a frambose? I think the raspberry is the most uninteresting fruit to use <laughs> for beer. It's, it has such a, a strong flavor and and too strong and so recognizable. I mean... It's nearly impossible to miss a, a raspberry beer because the, the 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 fruit is so strong in taste that it always brings a, a big fruitiness. I mean, you you can't make a mistake by using raspberry. But too I, easy. It's too easy. Yeah, I think it's too easy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was my idea, and also because <laughs> my colleagues are doing that also. So why not using a blackberry? Some it was not used in the past in in lambic. Uh, now in US, many producers are, are using blackberries, and I have some colleagues now, Lambic Fabric, using blackberries. But in the past, it wasn't. And so, again, to get more attention of the geeks and of the beer fans, <laughs> producing sure. something else. And that's where bananas came from then. Yeah, that, the bananas was, <laughs> a, yeah, was a joke uh, with some uh, friends that, uh, that founded the, the group, Facebook group called Tilka Enthusiast. And and they they came with an idea on 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 on, on the messenger group. Uh, we have an idea for you, Pierre. We're gonna produce a banana à l'ancienne. Okay. And and then we had a meeting, and I I said nothing, and I and I bought the fruits. I bought pineapples and bananas, and I said, you have an idea that cut the fruits. And so we did the, that small uh, experiment, which was a bit crazy. I I wouldn't recommend anyone to do a banana beer, but. Um, <laughs> But uh, to answer your question, yes, for sure, I do some tests. So uh, every two years, uh, in average, we I, I buy 30 kilo of many different fruits. We did uh, last year, we did 19 trials. Uh, we buy fruits. We have small plastic vessels of 60 liters. We use the same methodology as the, the big uh, stainless steel tanks. 30 kilo fruit, 30 liter lambic. We do some experiment and then we blend them the same way. We test the dilutions. So it takes a lot of time for producing 120 liters. The same time for nearly for producing the big uh, batches. And, and we do a lot of tests, yeah. So we, that's why we did uh, once a, a black currant. We did um, a mirabelle, which is a small yellow plum. We are now, we now have a rhubarb coming. We did uh, two tests before. We, we have a, a wild cranberry coming. 
we did two tests before. So we, we are always testing different fruits. I think it's very fun and nice to play with fruits. And so these uh, experimental uh, batches are served uh, on draft on festival. It's, uh, it's called Experimental Fruit Series number one, two or three. For the moment, we have three series of experiments here. You, you mentioned a, a, a box set or a, a, a mixed box maybe coming out later this year. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so we, because of the COVID, we, we, we wanted to produce something else than draft beers because we have enough stock of uh, kegs. We, have, we are very lucky compared to colleagues. Uh, our kegged beer are aging very nicely and they are even nicer two years old than, than young. So I'm very lucky in doing lambics, I would say, because they, the, 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 the beers are aging very well. So the, the sales were decreased in the, in the pandemic, but I had no beers to put to the drain. But I wanted to produce something else than the draft beer because I had enough stock. And we started to experiment with a, a second infusion of beer on the, on the, on the spent fruits. Um, I think in uh, grapes they call that pomace or something. Mm -hmm. But uh, I would only speak about spent fruits. So the fruits were used once. And then we, we started to put beers on the fruit and, and see what it gives. We did some small batches in, in the in the 60 liter uh, plastic uh, tanks that I have. And we found that it was giving a lot of fruitiness still. And the fruits were, were still delivering uh, flavors. And we found it interesting to develop that. And we, we did that large scale uh, of uh, last year, um, last winter. And we developed nine different uh, lightly fruited uh, beers that are very that are lower in alcohol because they are made with the mares, the low ABV lambic that I use for the draft beers, and so we use uh, eighty percent mares infused on the fruits uh, for four months and then blended with uh, twenty percent two years old lambic to give a bit more complexity and to allow the refermentation in bottle, and so it's going to be a box of nine small bottles of thirty seven point five centiliters. And it will call it will be called like a Mertz series or something like that, and it's a wonderful uh, uh, taste experience because uh, these beers are super drinkable, very easy to drink for the summer. It will I hope it will be uh, appreciated. Lower ABV, lighter fruit uh, presence that uh, balances with that kind of smaller beer. Sounds terrible. Sounds uh, terrible. Yeah. Sure, sure. <laughs> well, since we're here and you have wort now cooling and the cool ship behind us. I would love to talk just a little bit about this new program and this new chapter for Tilkan, which is brewing your own Lambic beer and uh, spontaneously inoculating it out in, in your little, uh, you know, cool ship shed out behind the brewery. And then of course, you know, brewing your own, you've got some of that now in barrels already that's fermenting, uh, even though you've only been at it for two, two weeks now. Um, let's talk about designing that program, designing a recipe, and then building a, a brewing process for that. I don't have that much experience in brewing lambic, so I wanted to start small. I was not, uh, I didn't make a business plan with for building a beach, a big and huge uh, brew kit. Uh, I wanted to, to start small with uh, second-hand tanks and 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 start something small that I can understand and maybe develop a process that 
I could use in the future is if one of my suppliers doesn't want to supply me anymore some wort, I might have to brew myself a bit more. But yes, the idea has never been to change the blendery and but to just to develop for fun a small brewing activity on the side. And so it took a lot of time. I had the chance to meet uh, uh, the ex-head uh, uh, brewer of Brasserie de la Seine, Maxime Libouton, which is a friend of mine, and uh, he and I could hire him for four months uh, for helping me to build that, that uh, small brew kit. So together we worked on that and built a small brew kit, which is which il, which is uh, made for producing 1,000 liter final uh, volume of wort. So filling two barrels of 500 liter. It's a very traditional uh, brew kit, I would say. It's based a bit on the same process of Cantillon. Uh, it's called turbid mash with two cooking vessels, one uh, in which we can put the turbid mash, the turbid wort uh, on the side uh, during the mashing process. So we, we, we mash 40% uh, uh, wheat, raw wheat, 60% uh, malted barley uh, with increasing temperature, uh, different steps of uh, mashing, like, like traditional uh, steps. And we take always a small part of turbid wort during the three first steps um, so that we can fix some dextrins and starch uh, and, and, and avoid them to be dismantled by the enzymes. And, um, and also we make some space in the mashing vessels so that we can add some more hot water. And then we, 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 we do the mash out with uh, turbid wort uh, at the end of the mashing. And then we start filtering uh, clear water, and then we can add the, the rest of the the turbid water. So it's a very traditional method. Used aged hops also. We use uh, overage hops, three years old, and three and, years old. Yes, uh, that's for the moment we have the chance. We have three years old. Uh, every it's getting difficult to to get uh, overage hops, and especially because I want to produce an organic. Uh, Lambic, so it's easy. It's more easy to find non-organic ops, overage ops. So I'm working on that to age myself the uh, organic ops. But do uh, you do you buy hops from a specific grower or a specific place? We are trying to buy uh, them locally uh, in Belgium, uh, a small organic producer. Uh, but uh, we we are still in discussion. For the moment, I, I do have some local ops yeah. from Belgium, but that are not organic. I, I, I want to develop that, that small production of uh, my own Lambic is not made for, for producing big volumes. If I can produce something like four batches of uh, Goose, 100% Tilkin Lambic, it would be nice. Four or five batches. So... It's not a big volume, uh, but uh, the, uh, the objective is only to produce one single lambic and age that for three, two and one years to be able in three years and a half to sell 100% uh, Tilkin lambic goose. So it's a very simple project, but long term. L like usual, at the end of the cooking, we put the water on the cool ship for one night. We are still um, experimenting with the our aeration systems to reach the good temperature in the morning 
for the moment we are around 30 Celsius in the mornings, which is quite nice. So yeah, and then we put that in barrels for fermentation. And we just saw uh, two days ago that the fermentation started. So it's wonderful. We are very happy with the <laughs> the, the fact that we we do yeah. have some life on this side of the language border. So it's, it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> we were so lucky with our timing here right, to, to get right. here, and we 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 could smell it getting out of the car, and uh, and then to go back there uh, where you've got this uh, wooden house built for the for the cool ship, a little a little home for it, and uh, and the steam coming out like a sauna is just a really cool thing to see, and especially so early in the in the brewing project, batch number four today. That has to be the most relieving thing to see for uh, a lambic blender who is you know, fermenting wort to watch that uh, uh, that uh, foam come out of. And you've got a barrel system where you use pipes to keep it all clean as the foam comes out of, of the, the bung and then drop it yeah, in the I, front I of the do, barrels. I, I do have some pipes. Yeah, That's a system I use that I, I learned from uh, Armand de Belder. I think it's... It's important when you produce uh, lambic to you don't need to work in a very silly place to produce good lambics. I mean, you can work in a clean place, and and the tradition is to get your barrels uh, to let them overflow, and then. But it's nice when the foam is fresh, but uh, when it's drying, you have a lot of uh, flies and so on. It's not so. Uh, hygienic, I would say. So I prefer to use some some bunk that are, that have a hole and a pipe uh, that is directing the the foam uh, in a bucket uh, on the side, so that I can close when the the fermentation is uh, is the the visible part of the fermentation is finished. I can just close with a bung and let them ripe for one, two, or three years. So that that keeps the place clean and that avoids uh, infections from the bung hole. Sure, sure. But as you watch that foam coming out, now you know that uh, the culture is doing its work and yeah, it's going uh, to turn that wart into lambic for you. Yeah, I use especially speci- uh, barrels that, that are 500 liters. So I spoke about the size of the barrels I use uh, for the blendery, 400 and 600. For the brewing uh, plan, I have 500 liter barrels that, are, that were never used for lambic. So I want... I hope to get a specific taste and a specific microflora from the the, the environment. So the, the the cool ship is especially put outside in a small wooden shed, uh, so that I hope to capture some microorganisms from the air from the but countryside. It won't, it won't pick up something that's inside the warehouse that, that way. That was the idea. Yeah. yeah. Even though there there will surely be an influence, I want to avoid that uh, if possible. That's really interesting. Putting this kind of difficult two years aside, what is your near-term goal? Clearly, you're brewing your own now, and that is a near-term goal. Are there there near-term goals? And what's the big-picture hope for a Guzzeri Tilkan? As I told before, I think we reached quite the maximum capacity of the building. I don't want to build a, a huge business and a huge company with a lot of people working. I want to keep it at a human size, so... Maybe because I have my own limits also. I have five people working for me and it's already challenging to deal with five people correctly. And I think I will be able to take one or two more. But um, that's that for the size of the team, I don't think it's um, 
I don't I will need more than than that and and I the only plan is to to increase the the comfort of working and to and to increase the quality uh the for example I want to re renew the bottling line because I want to have a, a, a CO2 purge system in my bottles that I don't have for the moment I want to uh, isolate better the building and and on an environmental point of view I want to uh, decrease the the loss of uh, energy the pollution and so on so we the plan is to build to 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 improve the building in in five years if possible and to build something on the side there and if a, a, a better isolation of the side of the building to build a new office and 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 if we can dismantle the current office we will have a larger tap room and to build a big tap room so that we can receive more people maybe a good kitchen if we can so that we can do some nice meals with beers uh, every once or twice every weekend so to to improve the building uh, to improve the comfort to try to improve the quality and keep it constant uh, at the minimum and um, that's that's the objective for for the coming years and with the blend the, the brewing installation yes to if i can produce a, a goose in three years and a half which would be the, the name could be for example i want to keep a french name so could be called Goes du Tiel because Tiel is the, the 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 tree that you can find on the on the Tilkin beers, which is the meaning of the Tilkin name. Tilkin means little Tiel. Tiel is a, a specific tree you can find in Europe. I don't, I don't think it's a name very easy to to traduce in in English. But so I could produce a Goes 100% Tilkin in three years and a half. It would be a, a wonderful result. Well, I hope you do and hope you make that 100% Tilkan Goose that meets your exacting standards for it. And when you do, I know we can't wait to taste it. On that note, let's bring it to a close. For nearly 30 years, G&D Chillers has set the mark for quality equipment you can rely on. Explore a whole universe of hop sensory with unique varieties from BSG. Think outside the puree box with Old Orchard's Craft Concentrate Blends. Arrived is the point-of-sale system designed specifically with breweries in mind. Put SS Brewtex advances to work in your brew house. And Mettler Toledo's InPro 8630i supports consistency in beer processing. If you enjoy this podcast every week, we'd love your support. Go to beerandbrewing.com, click on the subscribe button. And if you're planning a brewery, head on over to breweryworkshop.com for information on our next workshop in Portland, Oregon this July. Pierre, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It was a pleasure. Thank you for joining me. If people would like to learn more about uh, Guzri Tilkam, where do they find you? Out on real life and on the internet? On in the real life, we are 30 kilometers uh, southwest of Brussels. Not that easy to reach, but it's possible to reach by tr uh, train and bus. Otherwise, you have to take a car. Um, and we are open every Saturday morning from 10.30 to 1. We might open in the future the whole Saturday, and maybe the Friday, but for the moment we are just open on Saturday mornings. And then on the social media, we are um, uh, we have a website, goesritilkin.be, and also we are quite uh, active on Facebook and Instagram, and, and, uh, and also on the, the Facebook group, Tilka Enthusiast. <laughs> you yes. will have, uh, 
you will a specific question to answer to be able to access to that group but uh, i'm sure you will find the answers so yeah that's um, that's the way to reach the 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 last uh, news about titian it's to follow us on social media when we both enjoy your thoughtful approach to this you know romantic beer style and you're doing a fantastic job at it thank you so much for joining us cheers thank you thank you very much cheers guys This podcast is brought to you by Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine for those that love to make and drink great beer. Learn more online or subscribe at beerandbrewing.com or find us on social media at Craft Beer Brew.